Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else, which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working towards the day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. 2020, knowing him more and more, knowing me. Welcome to your Carl House and now, a senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. So we are still dealing with why I must be or why I must belong be in a local church and be committed there. Why I must be in a local church and be committed there. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Introduction. Matthew Mm -hmm. chapter 28, verse 18 through to verse 20. Uh And Jesus came and spake unto them. So this was after the resurrection of Jesus. He comes to the disciples after he had resurrected and says to them according to Matthew's account, all power is given all unto power me is given unto earth. me in heaven and on earth so go ye therefore because all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth go ye therefore and teach all nations go and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father mm-hmm. and of the son and of the holy ghost so th- we said consistently that the word teach there in the 19 the word that Matthew used in the Greek was Matthew. M A T H E M H A M A T H E T E U O M A T like maths M A T H E T E U O Matthew. It is the word disciple. So after the resurrection of Jesus, by this time, the church is now established. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Teaching means go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. The word matatio is the process of learning or bringing someone into learning. Matthew is the process of learning or bringing someone into learning. It's very important you get this fundamental. So when I start building, you will get where we are going. Again, I have taught that the word matatio also comes from another Greek word, matatis. M-A-T-H-E-T-E-E-S. M-A-T-H-E-T-E-E-S. These are key words that as a Christian, you should know and understand why we come to church with the Bible, 
why we come with a notebook to write. The word marketees means making students or making a pupil. Making students or making a pupil. That is the P-U-P-I-L-S, people, pupils. So we then said, the act of discipleship, the act of discipleship is to make people pupils or to make people students. The act of discipleship. That is, Jesus' instruction is that we should go and preach the gospel. When people believe in the gospel, you make them students of the gospel. So Christianity does not end when you get saved. You go and preach when somebody is preached to, they believe the gospel, then automatically you make them students of the gospel. Not students of commerce, not students of politics, not students of craft, but students of the gospel. So you get saved by the gospel, you are tutored in the gospel. So you then come to understand in the series why the church is not a place to develop talents. Because Jesus was not into that. Is there anything wrong with developing of talents? Definitely not. But it is not the church's role. The church is a place where you are taught to be crisis student. Church is not a place we raise businessmen. Is there anything wrong with raising businessmen? Certainly not. But the responsibility of the church is not to raise businessmen. The responsibility of the church is to raise Christ-minded people. So when they said these were Christians or these were disciples of Christ, they expect to see them behave like Christ, do what Christ does. When you are known as a disciple of Christ, they saw Jesus pray, so disciples pray. I'm going so much ahead of this series. We'll be getting there for you to understand they saw Jesus preach, not occasionally. So you can't call yourself a disciple of Jesus and you don't preach. Are you here? So the instruction is very important. That Jesus did not just send us just to go and preach to people and leave them like that. When you are training somebody, like the word discipline, which is the process of training 
or the process of learning is not a one-off thing. So if you have a friend you share the word of God with, or you share the word of God once with, you don't stop there. You follow up on the person. Follow up from where you stopped. You pray about people. Jesus prayed for his disciples. Who get to why we pray. Why are we praying? Why are we praying the same message? Knowledge. Praying all these things. It's not a ritual. Disciples of Jesus have their prayer topics. And I've taught you that Christianity is not an innovation. Christianity is a tradition. In Christianity, what we do is we follow the precedence that has been set. Is that okay? Okay. Now, a whole lot of people might not understand this. Uh, people, why are we allowing us to write? Are we in school? Are we in class? It's the problem is how some of us were introduced to church. See, the first few months or years, or let me say the first few months or a year, upon when a man receives salvation, how he spends that few months or weeks after being born again is important. When you receive Christ, how the first few weeks, months, of being in Christ, how you spend it is important. I, I teach things and people sometimes say, wow, oh, I didn't know it like that. The reason is you have known it in a certain way. Sometimes the confusion you have is not confusion. It's rather trying to let go what you know before to accept what you are being taught. If not, if you have not known anything at all, it will be easier. So we are struggling with wrong information. That's why we pray that we unlearn. It is not easy to unlearn what you know. It is not an easy thing. I said to somebody, unfortunately, but it's true. Pastor Chris said it and I agree with him 100%. It is only charismatics and Pentecostals that are very passionate and emotional when it comes to the Bible. They can leave discussing the Bible to start attacking your personality. And what you are discussing is the Bible. They will stay on the contest though. They will move down. You cry, how long have you been a Christian? You are coming to teach me this. It's not about me. What is the Bible saying? Some will even get angry. I remember a guy said, you, I will deal with you. Deal with me for what? I told you. A simple thing the Bible says and he will deal with me. That is charismatism. Hallelujah. You find other religions, they will listen. I had a beautiful conversation with a Muslim about a week or two ago. Listen. He takes his time. I make my presentation. I take my time. I listen to his. Christians, are you now saying you see, if you argue the scriptures, it's, that's not a problem with also trying to. I should, it's not a fight. It's the Bible. I didn't say the Spirit of God has said. Just read. 
When you read properly, and you take your emotions out of the reading of the Bible, you understand. See, when you are emotional, you don't see right. When you are angry, you are, you are clouded with your emotions. So you take your time. When somebody makes a piece, take your time, listen, jot down your questions. You see, one of the things sometimes we do is that whilst we are listening, we are not listening attentively. We are listening to counter. So you miss the point. That's why several Jesus will tell the Pharisees, have you not read? Anna Ginosko. Have you not paid attention? He used it severally anytime they came to him. That even though they can recite the scriptures, they are not paying attention to what they are reading. So he uses, have you not read? Anna Ginosko. Have you not paid attention? If you pay attention, you realize it is not rocket science. And if you don't allow certain things to cloud your judgment, and you are going to be honest, the Bible is never confusing. Our confusion, including me and you, is what we were told before. So, I have people who left church because they said I'm being too straight on. Bring a Bible, write notes. Come to think of it. The church is a place you develop your spiritual life. It is the pastor's duty to help you grow. It's like going to the university, you enroll and they said, tomorrow we are doing a quiz. Say, ah. And then Basu said, may a quiz and form us You don't do that. You don't do that. People get angry. Why we say we should come to church on time? Church so you are too prone. To be press mini Roman for your program. Ni we mu di communion yama we mu ni bi. Eni awo nko kawo wansem. For another day. Say I've gone to a place. They say because I'm not from this, this denomination, the body of Christ in that denomination, I cannot have some. So the body of Christ has a denomination. <laughs> the body of Christ, it has a political party it joins. And it can only be shared by those who belong to the body of Christ in that political party. Say amen. Thank you. I've gone to places. They say, oh, this is Reverend. They say, no, he's a reverend in his own denomination. In this, our denomination, not every reverend can sit on the altar. That's why I'm sure Jesus, he knew these things. That's why he said, when you go to an, an occasion, go and sit at the back. If they bring you to the front, then you enjoy it. Don't first go to an occasion and go and sit on the platform and then they will move you to the back. Jesus said it is in the Bible. Only you say maybe we have some denominations who allow some denominations to sit on their altar. Amen. Mm. Okay, let me continue. So I said, some 
It's very important the first things you are introduced to when you get saved. And most of us, that is what has shaped us. Some have helped us, some didn't help us. Some went to church, and from the moment we got to church, the church made it a point to make us feel comfortable so that we'll be part of the church. So you have gone to church. You just came to church. Pastor can even come and ask you, so how did you see church? What, do you have any ideas you can help? Hello? How does he give the church ideas on how the church should be run? But when we make it a point, we don't want to lose people. We would put away the manuscripts, the Bible, and try to entertain people just to keep them. So, a lot of people go to church and they feel the church owes them. They feel that coming to church, they are doing the church a favor. Because when he came, they made it a point not to let him make sure you're comfortable. You see, sometimes I tell people, don't start something you can't continue. So the person starts coming to church, you go and pick him with a Mercedes Benz. So when he came to church, he came to church. The first intro was that they would be picking him with Mercedes Benz. You go and pick him. He has come. First week. So he can come, but he's waiting for Mercedes picking. So when you introduce people to such things, they think you owe them happiness. So somebody can go to say, oh, I don't like this church, the Aqua. So somebody can leave a church because of the way the choir sounds. Because the choir is the reason they come to church. I don't blame you. I blame how you were trained. Not in your house, please. I mean in church. When pastors are quick to use materialism, carnality to please men, instead of focusing on them understanding why we come to church, the church becomes an entertainment or a leisure place for people. So why at this stage of our life we are now being taught the proper way of going to writing notes and it's become so difficult. It's now foreign. I meet people and say, hey, Gilbert, I say, they say, I say, I say, I say, But if you read the Bible, they were disciples of Jesus. If they didn't take notes, we wouldn't have a Bible. If nobody took notes, what would we be reading? How did we get what Jesus said? Let me surprise you. Do you know? Oh, I'm, today I don't know why I'm moving very far into the series. That the writings of Paul, for example, 1 Corinthians. It was written to a church. 
So the letter was written. They go to church. They are reading it. And they are writing it. It was read aloud. Don't forget, in that time, there were no printing press. So 20th century. There were no printing press. So what Paul wrote in prison, they brought the letter, read it aloud, disciples took notes so that they could go and teach. So Paul would tell Timothy, what you have heard of me, also entrust to faithful. So if you are going to quote what Paul taught, how are you going to quote all those things? Sometimes if I ask you to come and quote five scriptures, it will tell you to warfare. Then you are talking about 17 chapters of the Bible. They wrote students, disciples as students. You can't be a good Christian if you are not a student of Christ. You can't. In the moment you are struggling with being a student, put yourself in subjection. Speak to yourself. I have to discipline myself as a student of Christ. If you're a student of a man, you respect the man's instruction. Why do we then find it difficult to respect the instructions of Jesus? You're a student of Christ. You must be proud to have notes. This is your life. This is your salvation. This is your eternity. People enroll into courses, pay money, and they are so passionate about it. Hey, Charlie, do you know how much I paid? I have to go. They take notes. They are serious with whatever they are doing. Yet something that concerns your soul, your spirit, you want to take it casually. It simply means you don't understand Christianity. The disciples of Jesus in their private life were not students. Some were married, some were politicians. Joseph of Arimathea, he was a rich man and a politician. And he was known as a disciple. As we get into these teachings, I will explain to you who a disciple is. That it doesn't matter your profession. Luke was a doctor. Luke was a physician. He wrote the book of Luke and Acts of Apostles. Do you know how many chapters? A practicing physician and still was a disciple of Jesus. Matthew was a task collector. They had their personal professions Yet they were dedicated, committed disciples of Jesus. So you don't go to church to do favor to any pastor. It is your salvation life that you are going to give account of that the pastor is helping you to grow. There is accountability. It is part of Christianity. The fact that you are not going to hell 
does not mean there is no judgment. Don't get it wrong. So in this series, you come to understand all these things. Why do I have to come to church? Why do I go to prayer meetings? Why do I pray? Like I said, if you are not taught, you won't know. So you understand that is there an excuse for being too busy for God's church or the gathering of the saints? So discipleship is when you become a student. That is, you are the one learning. So if you are the one learning, you're coming to the gathering of the saints, it's not doing the pastor a favor. If you are enrolled in an institution and you are to learn, to write an exam, if you don't come, is it the lecturer who loses or who you who loses? So you have to understand the mindset. Some don't know that, some have not come to the knowledge of the truth. You have come. How are you handling the truth you have known? How are you handling it? Because to whom much is given, Jesus said, much is expected of. You will be accountable. Next point. So if your church owes you, your church owes you the act of discipleship. If your church owes you, if there is anything as your pastor I owe you, I owe you discipling you, making you a true and a proper student of Christ. Not entertainment. Not fanfare. When we did fanfare, the church was packed. Oh, we are in September. September, Yakab goes old school. Yes. By this time, we are all wearing wig. With guarantee. And we are come to see who was the wickedest in all that. And people were excited by that. You think that is church? That's entertainment. And several people say, ah, the, way, the, the reason I like Yaka House, Yaka House is a funky, a funky. Is it a club? Yes. And people think that is a better church than coming to church with a Bible, writing notes, waking up at dawn to pray, going on evangelism, being accountable for what you do. Like I said, is the kind of church we were introduced to that has brought this mindset. But thank God for knowledge. Hallelujah. Thank God for knowledge. Matthew chapter 16. So we get to proper detailing of what we've been studying. Jesus saying he will build his church. So we are trying to understand what Jesus meant by a church. Matthew 16 from verse 13 is our main test we've been considering. 
Matthew chapter 16, reading from verse 13. Mm-hmm. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, uh-huh. Whom do men say that I, the Who son of man, do men say I, the son of man, I am? And they said, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. So in town, they are calling you John the Baptist. Some Elias. Some even say Elias. And at the time Jesus was asking this, John had been beheaded. He's dead. So some say he's John the Baptist. It's as if John has resurrected. Uh Uh-huh. Some say Elias. Some also say you are prophet Elijah that has come. I'm sure that's why our Muslim brothers feel Jesus is a prophet. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And others, one of the prophets. I had, a, like I said, I had a very interesting conversation with that brother Muslim. And he said, Jesus said he had many things to say unto us, but he couldn't bear it now. So he would send the comforter. And they believed that the comforter was Muhammad. Very interesting. He says the comforter who will come and lead them into all the truth. I love that perception that somebody was coming and he specifically says he used the word, Jesus used the word he, 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 meaning he's a person or to them better still, he's a man. And if he's a man, who else came to tell them the truth? To him he said is Muhammad. And I felt it was brilliant. So the simple question I asked that what was Jesus talking about that he needed somebody to come and properly teach them about? So let's assume it is Muhammad. Okay? So Muhammad is the comforter who will come and teach us all the truth. So Jesus was saying something that he needed somebody to come and make it easier for the people to understand. So if it is Muhammad... So let's say it is Muhammad. So Muhammad will come and teach us better what Jesus was discussing. So the question now is what was Jesus discussing that he needed a third party to come and make it clear. The subject was his death, burial, and resurrection. And the fact that he is a son of God. So if Muhammad is the comforter, he must come and tell us that Jesus is the son of God. Number two, Jesus died for the sins of humanity. Number three, Jesus rose from the dead. Say praise him. So if Muhammad is not teaching about Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, his lordship, then he is not the comforter. It's a very simple thing. Because I'm saying something. Okay, what I'm saying, you can understand. I'm sure when Francis comes, Francis will make you understand. So Francis come and, can't come and talk about something else apart from what I was discussing. Is that clear? So we can accept that Muhammad is the comforter. But if Muhammad is not telling us about Jesus, his divinity, his lordship, his death, his burial, resurrection, then all his account is false. Because Jesus said he will not speak of himself. 
So if Muhammad speaks of himself, then he is not the comforter. If he claims to be the comforter, he can't speak of himself. He will speak about Jesus. What about Jesus? That he died for humanity. That he is God who became flesh. Are you here? It's very important. So I established that he said he will come again. He has to come again. So we continue the discussion. So Jesus said, who do men say I am? Uh And they said. And they said. Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say you are John the Baptist. Some Elias. Some say you are Elias. And others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said Then Jesus turned to them, okay. Forget about what the crowd is saying. Who do you say that I am? That I am. And Simon Peter answered and said. Then Simon Peter answered and said. Thou art the Christ. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. The son of the living God. And Jesus answered and so said So based him, on what Peter said, that he, Jesus, is the Christ, the son of the living God, conversational, he stands upon the answer and says, Blessed art thou, Blessed Simon, art thou Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is, but in, my heaven. Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee. And I say also unto you that that you are Peter. And upon this rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. And the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Few things that we spoke about last week. Number one, we said that the word church was not a coinage of Jesus. The word church was not a coinage of Jesus. He didn't bring the word. The word church means ecclesia. Is the sorry, is the Greek word ecclesia. E K K L E S I A. E K K L E S I A. Ecclesia, which means called out once. Okay. So because it is not his coinage. That is why he emphatically said, I will build my church. Because the word church, ecclesia, was not a coinage of Jesus. That is why he emphatically said, I will build my church. So church was a word that existed. When he personalizes it, it means that, next point, he uses the word church to point the attention. Jesus uses the word church to point the attention of his disciples to a specific. This means that Jesus used the word church to point the attention of his disciples to a specific kind of people This means that Jesus used the word church to point the attention of his disciples to a specific kind of people. Therefore, his people, he's called out once. His people, he's called out once. So last week we started considering the things Jesus said because 
through the years, I thought when he says, I will build my church, thou art Peter, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. Is how it sounded. But last week, we studied and clarified that. So you can get the tape to get that clarity. So the key things we considered, or we are considering because we didn't finish. One was the phrase, upon this rock. Upon what Jesus said, we are trying to understand what did he mean by upon this rock, which we looked at last week. Number two, we, are, we look at I will build my church. I think we have even done it, but we're still on it. And then we also looked at the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So upon this rock, one, number two, I'll build my church. Number three, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. These phrases, we are to take them one after the other through the test to understand what Jesus meant. So last week, we looked at upon this rock, I'll build my church. And we learned that the rock had... We learned that the rock had to do with the revelation. The rock had to do with the revelation. That is what Peter said. And not Peter. I'll take it again. When we looked at upon this rock, we learned last week that the rock had to do with the revelation into bracket what Peter said and not Peter either his name or his personality upon this rock in our study last week we came to that conclusion that upon this rock I'll build my church was not referring to Peter either his name or his personality rather the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, was what Jesus referred to as the rock upon which he was going to build his church. So the rock upon which I will build my church is the rock that I am the Son of of the living God. The Christ, the Son of the living God. Then we looked last week again at what is the Christ. What did he mean by the Christ? Because thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the Christ is upon the rock which the church was going to be built upon. And we said that the Christ implied the anointed or the Messiah. I'll pick it up from here. The anointed or the Messiah. All that I've said is just recap. So, Paul explained what it meant to be the Christ. 
we look at Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fifteen. Second Corinthians. What does it mean to be the Christ? How was it taught? Second Corinthians chapter five, the verse fifteen to twenty-one, through to verse twenty-one. Mm-hmm. And that he died for all. And that Jesus died for all. That they which live should not live henceforth unto themselves. So those who live will not henceforth live unto themselves. But unto him which died for them and rose again. But that we also live for others. Uh Wherefore henceforth. Wherefore henceforth. Know we no man after the flesh. We don't know any man after the flesh. Though we have known Christ after the flesh. He says even though we used to know Christ after the flesh. Yet now henceforth know we From now on we can know Christ after the flesh. Therefore if any man be in Christ. Did you get that? Christ was known as Joseph's son. Or Mary's son. But after his death, burial, resurrection. We can't know him like that again. That is why I said in Christianity, we are not in the Jesus of Nazareth. We are in the resurrected Christ. Are you with me? Henceforth, we don't know Christ after the flesh. Because the flesh, you then be referring to him as Mary's son. And start healing Mary. We don't know Christ after the flesh. Henceforth, Because Jesus had died and resurrected, henceforth, you can't know anybody in Christ after the flesh, and you can't know Christ after the flesh. Why? Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. He says, even though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know him, him no more. We shouldn't know him after the flesh. Therefore, if any man be in because Christ. Because if anybody is in Christ. He is a new creature. You are a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are passed away. Behold, all Behold, things, all have, things become have become new. And all things are of God. And all things that if you are in Christ, all things about you are of God. Who has reconciled us to Who himself Who brought the Jesus union Christ. between us and him. Through Jesus Christ. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ. He says the reconciliation is this way. God was in the form of man in Christ. Don't forget, we are looking at who is the Christ. Who is the Christ? Peter said you are the Christ. The son of the living God. So who is the Christ? Paul said, God was in that Christ. Reconciling the world And God, himself. when he entered that Christ, he brought the world to himself. Not so God uniting with us, he had to be in the Christ. So if I will build my church upon the Christ... It was by reason of the Christ we are called out. Don't forget, church means called out. So God entered into Christ to call you and I to himself. Hello? So I will build my church, my kind of people. I'll call my kind of people out. How did he do it? Then Paul explains 
that let's say God entered into a personality called Christ. And then he brought men to himself. Or better word we are using is church. He called people to himself. And when he called the people to himself, what did he do? Not imputing their trespasses unto them. He didn't impute the people he called their trespasses unto them. And has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And he has committed unto the people he has called out the word of the reconciliation. Word of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Now then, we are ambassadors he for Christ. He says, now then, you have now become ambassadors of Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. Mm-hmm. We, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be, be reconciled, reconciled to God. 21. For he has made him to be sin for, for us. This is what he did with that Jesus, that Christ. He made him to, to be, be sin, sin for us. Who knew no sin. He didn't know any sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God That we might be made what? The righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God in him. We are looking at the Christ. Who is that Christ? Because upon the Christ, we were called. Do you understand? So the Christ is the one who is doing the church. And the word church means called out. So God could not call us out without the Christ. So if he says, I will call out people through Christ, is he calling people out through Peter or through Christ? Because church is to call people out. So if he's going to call people out, which is build my church, He's not using Peter to call people out. He's using the Christ. So you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter, this revelation that I am the Christ is what is going to be used to call out people. So God was in Christ. Calling out people who he does not impute their sins against them. First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. First John chapter 2, verse now, 1. Now again, we have said that in Bible studies, explanation of what is said in the Old Testament and the four Gospels are explained where? In the epistles. So if you read something in the four gospels that you don't understand, better clarity is found in the epistles. Because the epistles were written to explain what was said by Jesus, what Moses said. That is why we can't find total understanding in the Old Testament till we come to the epistles. Is that okay? Okay, First John chapter First 2. John chapter 2, verse 1 and verse mm-hmm. 2. My little children. He says, my little children. These things write I these unto you. These things I am writing to you. That ye sin not. That you shouldn't sin. And if any man sin. If anybody is to sin. We have an advocate with the Father. You have an advocate. In term, Jinafu. 
Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus Christ the righteous. The Christ the righteous. What did the Christ do? And he is the propitiation he for our sins. He is the offering for our sin. Propitiation means offering. He was the one that was giving for our sins and not for ours only. And not our sins only, but also for the sins but of the also whole world. what the, the sins, sins of, the, of whole the whole world. So if I am going to call out my people, it was only going to be done by the Christ. That son of the living God. Is that clear? Next point. So in Christ, this is how it's properly explained. In Christ, God became a man. When we say Christ, we are saying God who became a man. When you say Christ, you are saying God who became a man. So God is a spirit. He needs to come and solve a problem within humanity. So he takes the form of a man. And when God took the form of a man, his name is Christ. Are you here? So, God became a man that is partook of humanity. And then he died for the sins of humanity. God partook of humanity and died for the sins of humanity. Because a God can't die, he has to become a man so he can die. Because the payment for sin was death. God lives in eternity. He is eternal in nature. So he can't die. The only way God can die for the sins of humanity is for God to partake of the nature of man. So when God partook of human nature, he was called Christ. Thou art the Christ, the anointed, the set apart, the Messiah, prophesied to come and die. Follow me carefully. John 3.16. Watch this. John chapter 3, the verse 16. Mm -hmm. For God so loved the world. He says, for God so loved this world. That he gave his only begotten son. That he decided to give his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him. That whosoever believed in him. Should not perish. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. But the person will have everlasting life. Another key point. When he says the phrase, he gave his only begotten son. That phrase, he gave, the giving is the death of Jesus. It's not the burning of Jesus. Does it make sense? When we say he gave his only begotten son, is to make Jesus to die. The giving of Jesus is the dying of Jesus.
I said, God cannot die. So for God to die, he has to become a man. So when he became a man and he gave to die, God's promise of saving humanity was accomplished. Paul teaches the giving in Romans 5, 7 and 8. And then Romans 4, 24 and 25. Romans 5, 7 and verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and verse 8. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Mm -hmm. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So whilst we were yet sinners, Christ, the Christ, died for us. Next point, very important. The term Christ speaks of his humanity. The term Christ, it speaks of God's humanity. The term Christ speaks of God's humanity. God becoming a human being. How he was anointed as a man, his earthly ministry. The term Christ speaks of God's, speaks of his humanity, sorry, and how he was anointed as a man and his earthly ministry, which is his death for the sins of humanity. Or better still, and his death for the sins of humanity. That's a better way. I'll take it again. The term, the Christ, speaks of his humanity. You can put in bracket, God's humanity. Then how he was anointed as a man. You can't anoint God, but Jesus was anointed. The word anointed means to set apart. So he was anointed because he's a man now. God, who took the form of a man, was then anointed. Then he has an earthly ministry. And then he died for the sins of humanity. So God, who became a man, is known as the Christ. The Christ speaks of his humanity. He being anointed as a man, his earthly ministry. Because he has taken the form of a man, he stands at Jerusalem and he is not in Capernaum. Because men have limitations. God who has taken the form, so he ate, men eat. He cried. God doesn't cry. Jesus cried. He slept. The wind was blowing. They have to go and wake him up. Mother. Ada. Yebe wude ya. 
Then he stood up. How can you wake God up? Bible says he that watches over his life, he doesn't sleep or what? Slumber. But when he took the form of a man, if he is not a man, our redemption will be false. He has to feel. He has to be tempted. You can't tempt God, but Jesus was tempted to prove his humanity. Because if he has to rescue us, he can't rescue us as God. That is why no matter the provocation, he didn't call angels to come and fight. As a foul play, remain a man. Let them beat you. So they ask him, ah, if you say you are God, why are you not calling angels to come and save you? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. You don't get it. That is why Paul explains to us, if the princes of this world had understood who Jesus was, they wouldn't kill him. They didn't understand. To them, God can never be a man. The Israelites were expecting God to just roll from the skies. No, but say, Chuck Norris. Mara. You know that if Jesus was thrown from the skies, everybody would believe him. The reason why they can't, ah, is it not Mary, your mother? You are saying you are what? You are what? They can't phantom. But you know the beauty of the validity of the message we preach? It was prophesied that the virgin shall conceive. Hey, the place he'll be born were all prophesied. Bethlehem. Everything about Jesus. John the Baptist coming to introduce him. That is why our reference is nobody but the scriptures. They prophesied it thousands of years before he came. Everything proves. This is John 1, John 1, 45. Look at what Philip said. And Philip finded Nathaniel. When he first saw Jesus, after what happened at the left side with Peter. Quickly, please. John 1 45. Philip mm-hmm. findeth Nathanael. Philip findeth Nathanael. And he said unto him, We have found him. Massa and Ne. We have found him. Of whom Moses in the law. Of whom Moses in the law. And the prophet. And the write. prophet did what? Right. They did right. They prophesied. Who did they write about? Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. The son of Joseph. Abba. Are you with me? Follow me. Now, let's look at the term, the son of the living God. He says, thou art the Christ. So, we have sorted out the Christ. Now, why is he called the son of the living God? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, upon this statement, I am going to build my church. What does it mean that he is the son of the living God? Now let's go to John chapter 1 verse 14. John 1 14. Mm-hmm. And the word was made flesh. And the word 
The word was made what? Flesh. Uh-huh. And dwelt among us. And the word dwelt amongst us. The word was made flesh. And the word dwelt amongst us. This is John who had worked with Jesus for years writing. After resurrection, he wrote this epistle. Sorry, this gospel. Synoptics. And said, in the beginning was an intent. We'll get there. He says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Eh? And we beheld his glory. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten. And the of glory the was as of the only begotten of who? The father. He was what? The Full of grace. grace and truth. Underline the word, the only begotten. We'll be looking at these words. It will help you to understand who Jesus is. Are you following me? Now, we said the word word that John used is the Greek word logos. L-O-G-O-S. Logos. 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 Logos simply means intent. Intent. Which therefore means idea. Or plan. So in the beginning, there was an intent, there was an idea, there was a plan. Or reason. And when you talk about reason, then you are talking about concept. So, we'll fit it in and it will help you to understand. So the intent, the idea, the plan became flesh. The concept now became a human being. Concept also, you have message or subject matter. So Logos is the intent, therefore idea, plan, reason, reason therefore concept, concept therefore message or subject matter. Now let's go to from verse 1. So we get the whole thing. Verse 1 to 4. TNU. John 1, reading from verse 1. Don't forget the word is intent. So we can pick one. Mm. Let's speak either intent or idea. In the beginning was an idea. And the idea was with God. And the idea was with God. And the idea was God. And the idea was what? God. The idea was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So this, the idea was in the beginning with God. All things were made by the idea. And all things were made by the idea. And without the idea was not anything And without made. the idea was not anything that was made. And in the idea was life. In him, he uses a, pre, a, a, a pronoun, him. Meaning the idea is not just imaginary, but it's a personality. So he says in him was life. Was life because John is writing a narrative. He says that idea which is God was a person. And that person in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And that life was the light of men. Uh, do you understand? So you have to understand that that idea or concept or plan of God was God. And that idea or plan of God was a personality. And that personality was life and that life was the light of men. Continue. Verse 5. 
and the light shines in darkness and that light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not and that darkness comprehends him not there was a man sent from god there was a man who was sent from god whose name was john whose name was john the same came for a witness that same john he came to witness to bear witness of the light he came to talk about this idea which is god which is life mm -hmm. that all men through him might believe that all men through him might believe uh -huh. he was not that light he john was not the light but was sent to bear witness of that light but he was sent to bear witness of what that light that light that nine that was the true light that was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world which lights every man that comes into the world he was in the world hold on please now notice something john bearing witness of the light is how throughout scripture all the prophets have been doing john was a prophet and if you are a prophet you must testify of the christ so he's saying that john the baptist to prove that this word which is christ which became flesh and dwells among them a prophet came ahead to testify just like the other prophets because all through scriptures the prophets have been prophesying about a christ that was coming just that they use different symbols and tokens to talk about this christ let's look at luke chapter 7 24 to 28 jesus calling john a prophet luke chapter 7 verse 24 through to verse 28 mm -hmm. And when the messengers of John were departed, mm -hmm. he Jesus began to speak unto the people concerning Jesus John. Jesus began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went he? He says, "What did you go into the wilderness to see? to see? A reed shaking with the wind? No. But what went ye out for to see? What did you go and see? A man clothed in soft raiment? No. Behold, behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live." delicately are in king's courts they are in king's palaces but what went ye out but what did you see? go into the wilderness to a see? prophet you went to see a prophet yea i, I tell say you unto you much more than a prophet much so jesus testifies that john is much more than what a prophet so he came to bear witness of the light which is to come to the world so when you see G, uh, john speaking concerning jesus he's testifying about god's promise just like the prophets of old is that clear when you look at romans chapter 1 verse 1 to 4 hebrews 1 1 to 2 and then luke 24 25 to 27 romans 1 1 to 4 hebrews 1 1 to 2 Luke 24, 25 to 27, and then 44 to 46. And then even Revelations chapter 19, verse 16. You understand that all the prophets, pick one of them and read it. All the prophets prophesy concerning the Christ. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Mm -hmm. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of god uh -huh. which he had 
promised afore by the prophets. Which he has promised afore by the prophets. In the holy scriptures. In the holy what? Scriptures. So in the holy scriptures are the promises of God by the prophets. Uh-huh. Concerning his and son, the Jesus promises Christ, of God in the Old Testament by the prophet is what? Concerning, concerning the word concerning peri, P-E-R-I, means specific subject. So the prophets of the Old Covenant, their specific subject is concerning Christ. Which was made of the seed of David. He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And declared to be the son of God with power. And he was declared. To be the son of God. To be the son of God with power. According to the spirit of According to the spirit of holiness. By the resurrection from the dead. By what? The resurrection. By the dead. Do Hebrews chapter 1. 1 and 2. And then we jump forward. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. Mm-hmm. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners mm-hmm. speak in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all so things. So in diverse times and diverse manners, the prophets receive message from God in time past. But God speaks in the person of his Son, who is the express image of his person? Is that clear? Next point. So we can say that John used the term, the word. We can now say that John used of the term, the word. John used of the term, the word. John used of the term, the word was descriptive of the fact that Jesus Christ is the one whom all the prophets prophesied about. So John used the term, the word, was descriptive of the fact that Jesus Christ is the one whom all the prophets prophesied about. All the prophets prophesied about. This is to say. This is to say. Jesus is the message of the prophets. Jesus is the message of the prophets. Jesus is the conclusion. Or the fulfillment. Jesus is the conclusion. Or the fulfillment, Jesus is the conclusion or the fulfillment of the things that the prophets prophesied about. Jesus is the conclusion or the fulfillment of the things that the prophets prophesied about, the promises of God, which was concerning his son. Christ. Is that clear? So we can say John chapter 1, 1 to 3. 
in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. There was nothing that was made without the word. All that John was saying is that Jesus, who is the word, write it this way. John's account in John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, John's account in John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, shows that Jesus, into bracket the word, pre-existed as God. John's account. So, Jesus, the Word, pre-existed. He pre-existed as God. Look at John chapter 1, verse 11, verse 10 and 11. John chapter 1, verse 10 and verse 11. Mm-hmm. He was in the world. He was in the world. And the world was made by him. So don't forget, you don't leave the contest. He started by saying, in the beginning, before things began, he was there. He was God. He was the intent. He was the idea. Then he says, he was in the world. And the world was made and by him. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him Yet not. the world did not know him. He came unto his own. He came unto his own. And his own received him And not. his own received him not. But as many as received him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the to sons them gave of him God. Power. So next point, he partook of humanity. So he pre-existed as God. In verse one to three, in verse ten to eleven, he partook of humanity. He partook of humanity. The word he came unto his own refers to his lineage, his descent, his tribe according to the flesh. His own. He came unto his own. That phrase, his own, it refers to his lineage, that is his descent, his tribe according to the flesh. Look at Romans 1, 3, Hebrews 2, 16. Romans 1, 3. Romans chapter 1, the verse number 3. Uh-huh. Concerning his son Jesus Concerning Christ, our Lord, his son Jesus our Lord. Which was made of the seed of David. He was made of what? The, the seed, of, seed David, of David. According to the flesh. According to the flesh. So he came unto his own was referring to his lineage. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Hebrews 2, 16. Hebrews chapter 2, the verse 16. Uh-huh. For verily he took unto, not on him, the nature of angels. He didn't take on him the nature of angels. But, but what he, did he took? But he took on him the seed of Abraham. But he took on him. 
the seed, seed so he took on him the seed of look at chapter 7 of hebrews verse 14 7 14 we are looking at the humanity of jesus chapter 7 the verse 14 mm-hmm. for it is evident that our lord sprang out of judah of which tribe moses spake nothing concerning priesthood so he in the flesh he was from the lineage the tribe of judah is that clear he came into the world the world there means humanity the world there he came onto the world the world was made humanity so john trying to run up so john explained that jesus pre-existed as god then he descended into humanity he pre-existed as god then descend into humanity that is in the incarnation in the incarnation god became a man god became a man he explained it with that phrase made look at john 1 14 john again john chapter 1 the verse number 14 mm-hmm. and the word was made flesh and the word was what made flesh. made flesh the phrase was made is the greek word ginomai ginomai g-i-n-o-m-a-i G-I-N-O-M-A-I. Ginomai. It's very beautiful, so you have to understand. The word was made flesh. Ginomai. It implies change of status as an act of one's will. Change of one's status as an act of one's will so he willingly changed his status so the word which was god changed his status and became flesh we find confirmation in philippians chapter 2 verse 6 to 8 better explanation philippians chapter 2 verse Mm -hmm. 6 through to verse 8 everybody please turn your bibles there so it will make better understanding philippians 2 you can start from 5 reading from verse 5 philippians Uh chapter 2 let this mind be in you let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus which was also in who christ jesus christ jesus who was he who being in the form of who god who be in the
the form of God. He thought was it, God. Thought it not robbery, thought to, it be not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. By making himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form he of took a servant. upon him the form of a servant. The form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And God was made what? In the likeness of of men the word made change status to a man verse 8 mm-hmm. and being found in fashion as a man and when he was found like a man he humbled himself he humbled himself and became obedient and unto he death. became obedient unto death even the death of the cross even the death on the cross hallelujah so Jesus pre-existed as God and became a man at incarnation. Jesus, he pre-existed as God and then he became a man at incarnation. So incarnation, God was made a man. Is that clear? Let's look at one last word for today. A very popular one. John 3, 16 and 18. John chapter 3. There is a phrase, only begotten. John 3, 16, John 3, 18. John 3, verse 16. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten That he son. gave his what? Only begotten. Only underline that phrase. Only begotten. That whosoever believes in him. So the only begotten is what we have to find meaning. Only begotten. That same word is used in verse eighteen. What does it say? Verse eighteen, John three. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Mm -hmm. But he that believes not is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten. You can find that again in John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Only begotten. What does it mean? What is only begotten of God? 1 John 4, 9. 1 John chapter 4, the verse number 9. Mm-hmm. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Uh-huh. Because that God sent his only begotten son. God sent who? His only begotten his son. His only into the world. begotten son. The word only begotten is the Greek word monogenes. Monogenes. M O N O G E N E S. M-O-N-O-G-E-N-E-S. M-O-N-O-G-E-N-E-S. Monogenes is a compound word that comes from two words. The first one is mono. M-O-N-O. M-O-N-O. Mono implies solely or uniqueness. Only in English talks about number, but the Greek word mono 
is not talking about quantity. Take note. You can write this, please. I said mono implies solely or uniqueness. It is to say the uniqueness of his birth. We are coming. Just take your time. So, next point. That means any time John used the phrase only in respect to Jesus. Any time John used the phrase only in respect to Jesus. Any time John used the phrase only in respect to Jesus. He was not talking about a number or quantity. Anytime John used the phrase only in respect to Jesus, he was not talking about number or quantity. He was rather referring to his source, his source. The source. That is the fact that he was uniquely or solely come from God. When he used the word in respect to Jesus, he was not talking about number or quantity. He was rather referring to his source, Jesus' source. That is the fact that he was uniquely or solely come from God. That out of God. Because it was God who became, who changed his status to become a man. So only, solely or uniquely was about his source. So John 1.14 can be understood as he came from the Father. That he changed of status. That is his, his change of status. And the word became flesh simply can be said he came from God and changed his status. From God's word to man. Are you here? So John refers to Jesus as the only begotten of the Father. John referred to Jesus as solely coming from God. His source is God. And this further establishes the fact that Jesus pre-existed as God as we read in Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Final two scriptures, Isaiah seven forty, Isaiah seven fourteen. Look at the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah chapter 7. Verse 14. Mm -hmm. 
Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. The Lord Himself is going to give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall. And conceive. this is the sign: a virgin will conceive and bear a son. And the virgin will bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Continue. Butter and honey shall he eat. Okay. That he may know, not refuse. Look at Matthew one twenty three. Matthew chapter 1, the verse 23. Mm-hmm. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, uh-huh. and shall bring forth a son, uh-huh. and they shall call his name Emmanuel. They will call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Which being interpreted is God with us. Which being interpreted is what? God with us. God with us implies God has become one of us. God with us, it implies God has become one of us. That is, divinity has partaken of humanity. God with us implies God has become one of us. That is, divinity has partaken of humanity. So the word has become flesh. God was made manifest in the flesh. Last, last scripture. First Timothy 3.16. Mapong. I'll continue next week. First Timothy 3.16. First Timothy chapter 3, the verse 16. Mm-hmm. And without controversy... And controversy great is the mystery of godliness great is the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh god was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit he was justified in the spirit seen of angels he was seen of angels preached unto the gentiles preached unto the gentiles believed on in the world he was believed on in the world. Received up into glory. He was received up into glory. Hallelujah. So the phrase, the son of the living God, speaks of his divinity. And thou art the Christ, speaks of his humanity. The phrase, son of the living God, speaks of Jesus' divinity. And then the phrase, thou art the Christ, speaks of his humanity. Are we good? So, next week, we'll pick the next phrases explained so we then understand what church is. Shall we rise up for a minute? This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available any time for prayer, support, and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you, and there's nothing you can do about it.